Hello everybody and welcome to the second episode of Sequelizers, the show all about fixing bad sequels to good movies. If there's a good movie that was followed by a terrible sequel, we're going to try and fix it. I'm your host, Jack Chambers, and joining me are the two teams of titular Sequelizers. Our first team is once again comprised of Mr. Stuart Ashen. Hello. And Alec Plowman. Hello. And our second team, Mr. Matthew Stogden. Hello. And Tom Martin. Hello. As I mentioned at the end of episode one, we're going to be doing another follow-up to an absolute classic, an 80s classic instead of a 70s classic this time. We're going to be tackling Robocop 2. And as again with the first episode, why don't we kind of briefly touch on why Robocop 2 didn't work as a sequel to the original. Lots of reasons. There are, there are many reasons. <laughs> yeah, in a way, it, it's similar to Jaws 2 that it very much retreads a lot of the themes and things of the first one. That seems to be a big problem with sequels across the board, whether you're talking yeah. films, books, video games. You get this kind of thing where you very much too much retread the first. Give them what they want yeah. again. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. With, a, yet, with a slightly higher budget or at, something like that. At the same time, the tonal shift this time was really different because I, I think it's almost like imitation, mm. satire... And what you end up with is just weird, quirky humour that doesn't really make sense. It looks and feels brighter despite being just as violent and gory and horrific. It's like, this is trying to say something, but it looks like a, a TV special. I don't... I don't... It lacks that Verhoeven touch. Yeah. Having, having rewatched Starship Troopers uh, recently for another podcast, mm. um, it was uh, it was really clear that you know you can do dark and gritty without having it visually dark and gritty because you've got to have that subtext. And I think much as I bloody love Irvin Kershner because he directs the greatest film of all time, in my opinion, and The Empire Strikes Back, and one of the greatest sequels of all time, he kind of drops the ball on this one Very much in so, a big yeah. way. I don't think you can lay the blame on Kershner. No, no, because but, you know it, it, it's a weak script. Let's put it it's, uh, yeah. Let's yeah. Miller because yeah. it's fashionable to blame Frank Miller these days. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's weirdly um, episodic, mm. Robocop 2. We were talking about the fact it's, that it. It's most of the way it ends, Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. It's so episodic. Like it starts off, ah, oh, Murphy, problems with the family, eh? Or oh, how's that going to come together? Oh, we've dealt with that now. Here's another bit. Mm. Oh, Murphy, you've got all these crazy new directives. Hey, oh, we've dealt with that now. Another bit. Yeah. Like, this isn't a series of comic books. This it is also a feels film. like someone hasn't watched the end of the last episode. Where yeah. this humanity's kind of restored. So it's like, yeah. hello! It's like, oh, I thought we'd pass this. So it's, yeah. <laughs> he, he said his name was Murphy at the end, not, I'm still Robocop. Dun 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 dun. dun. <laughs> 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 no, that's incredible. Is that the new subtitle, I'm still Robocop? <laughs> yeah. It's the last line that I come up with, the last line is, I think it's just like. It's nice shooting, up. son. What's your name? Murphy. No, no, that's. Second one, sorry. Oh, so, oh God, God knows how that fits. I think that's on a dance well, level. <laughs> I think the second one ends basically with spoilers, I guess. Why am I using this podcast? But... Don't do drugs, kid. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, I only saw it the other day. Well, yeah, basically speaking, um, everything's coming together, and it's like, oh, OCP's on the run now, boys. We're going to have that little bit of a, a conclusion, a bit of closure. Nope, gets in yeah. the car, drives off, and, and Lewis says, "This is ridiculous," or something like that. Oh, and then just we're only human. We're only human. I was like, it's another day on the beat, and it's like, oh shit, it's over. What? Where's <laughs> the epilogue? <laughs> it's almost like someone watched Die Hard and thought that was pretty good. <laughs> I didn't really understand. You can't just put someone in a limo and drive away, and that's the end of the film. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a bit of a mess. I mean, there's some really salvageable bits. The yeah. um, animatronics are really nice again, as they were before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean the um, uh, Weller does a great job again. Yeah. I, I I really. Uh, the sequences with the failed Robocops. Yes, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. 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 So actually, I remember we laughing till I was almost sick the first time I saw it. <laughs> we did the same again, just describing them to each other <laughs> yes. when we were writing this, without them having to be there that many. Yeah. Was and also the, the opening sequence as well, quite bold. Well, I said bold. The, where they have just a constant barrage of news reports of everything going to shit. It's like, oh, yeah. and this Justin, and this Justin, and this just... So it comes off like, it's, oh, this is going to be a great film. And then... Well, that's a very classic Frank Miller yeah trope just show it to you about the Dark Knight Returns and yes, things like exactly. that it's kind of Miller's thing is having loads of news reports happening and his kind of apocalyptic view on things is the news takes over mm. the world and they report on everything and that kind of thing it's which you see much a lot in sequels these days yeah, especially we yeah. see a lot in, obviously the in all of the Hoven's work the, the sort of the original Robocop and Starship Troopers that kind mm. of that kind of thing so yeah it, it does sort of set you up for a fall doesn't it because yeah. like oh great this is like better oh, and it's, just, it's, it's, it's the um, Wolverine Origins thing where you show Arguably, what could be a really interesting story mm. in a montage? <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. just show me the crime. I don't need to hear about this description. But alternatively, like um, 
Snyder's version of uh, Dawn of the Dead, where you get it in the title sequence, everything's just sort of explained. You get sort of a, a setting of the world you're, you're mm. getting into. So, yeah, there are, there are some strong elements, but ultimately, again, like all these things I think we'll be discussing in future, they're following something that's really good, really original, really interesting, and they're just saying, uh, more of the same, I guess? What made the original yeah. really good? I don't know. How, how about they make another Robocop, and this, this one's bigger, but he's evil? Is that Ed Two and I? No, we've got Ed Two and I stuck in a manhole in the first five minutes. It's clearly not that one. It's a different one. Yeah, it's got wow. an evil man's brain. Oh, what do we? What should we call him? Um, oh, Robocop Two. Can I just point yeah. out though, the sequel being called Robocop Two and that also being the name of the main antagonist <laughs> yeah. is, if it was a better film, this would be a stroke of genius. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that in itself, yeah. that self-referential kind I, of. I thing. would love if the people who made this film didn't realise that fact until they were watching the film. Well, the Robo- the, oh my god, we're <laughs> genius. The character of Robocop Two is kind of a microcosm for the film, though, because oh, it's like. We did all the things that we did for the first Robocop, but we didn't put any of the character in yeah. it. Oh, yeah. God, it's terrible. <laughs> like, why won't it kill itself? Yeah. Why is it killing us? At, at a meta level, mm. it's, um, it's kind of perfect. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. like they knew. And they also knew about the, the bankruptcy of uh, Detroit. Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one thing yeah. you go back and watch it and think, there's a lot of really interesting points yeah. that are relevant yeah. now. Then it was just sort of hyper-reality future... Pocket yeah, yeah, but now it's like, oh, that's a little... lot. Like OCP, you know, is, is yeah, weirdly kind of prescient, isn't it? Mm. An entire city filing for bankruptcy had basically never happened on American soil before, and then it really happened twenty-three years later after this film in two thousand thirteen, where Detroit, the city in this film, really actually does it. Twenty-first <laughs> century, right? Yeah, it, it's pretty crazy. Um, the, one of the main problems I have with it is. Hop, the character. Oh of my god! The kid who's suddenly a drug crime lord for no reason. Yep. And yeah. is he ten or is he fifteen? He's, he's calling everyone a motherfucker for no yeah. reason. Like, he, he looks he's like he's really... twelve at the oldest. It's yeah. Cool. yeah. As hell. yeah. It genuinely yeah. is. I get the idea behind it, especially considering at the time the idea of young yuppies, you know, making all the money and like, oh, who do I deal with? And the mayor comes in. And it's just this little kid. Like, ha, ha, ha. No, seriously. And it's like, no, that's the person in charge of this company. Which is very much touched upon in like Mad Max and yeah, things exactly. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and having that kind of the post-apocalyptic gang of kids taking over the city kind of thing, yeah. which happens a lot in this, and all of the kids are terrible and have foul mouths, and there's the whole nuke drug thing going around, and then mm. kind of... But Hob just arbitrarily becomes the leader at one point, yes. because Cause nobody is. else is there, and he just yeah. says, yeah, I'm doing it, and everybody's like, yeah, listen to the ten-year-old kid for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Sure. You've all got guns. Yeah. And he's ten. Yeah. Even in a hyper-real, hyper hyper-violent world, it just doesn't scan. And I think that's mm. what's wrong with a lot of sequels, is they lose the internal sense of logic mm. that the original had, mm. uh, or strain it to the credulity of it. I think the other problem, to come back to, to Hob, is the cast of villains in this is really weak in general. Oh, yeah. Kane oh, even before he becomes Robocop. Because I love Tom Noonan, but really... what the fuck was he doing in this film? Yeah. yeah. Oh, but and he's just hardly built up at all. For, yeah, uh, he's addicted yeah, to his own drug, but he's not really addicted to it, so it can't be that bad because he's running an empire with it. And <laughs> he has got a great nose piercing. He does. Yeah, yeah. And Good nose ring. He's but always he's the same like age. head of a cult, which is based around the drug. Yeah, kind yeah. Of, but and I don't he's know, so soft-spoken. We, we're going to just... go back to this episodic thing <laughs> about the directives instead, so we're not actually going to build up <laughs> the characters. But I, yeah. see, I, I remember when, I was quite young when it all came out, but I remember there being a Robocop TV series, and kind mm. of in my sort of. Um, flashbacks in my mind the sequels two and three I kind of must have amalgamated into episodes of the TV series it's the first four episodes <laughs> yeah. of the season yeah, it's like, yeah. oh it just feels the same and then you, one stands out as such this gritty funny mm. weird film and then the sequels are just this very strange tale I mean, and pain and the third one is practically the pilot <clears throat> oh completely yeah. Yeah, yeah. at the time they go down the PG-13 route and everything it, it mm. is yeah. oh the and third one man Crazy. they're very much heading in that direction with this one in the whole scene with Hob and Hob's death and Robocop basically almost literally says, don't do drugs, kids. Yeah. Because it'll turn you into him. Yeah. I won't leave you. It's like, well, you have to at some point. Dude. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you've got your, you're fighting crime right now. <laughs> and there's a robot around, probably. <laughs> Who isn't you? Yeah. The third one is really... Is a oh, yeah, that's... that's, that's it's just... Yeah. Awful from as, the as probably again continuing with a, a theme with these future podcasts is the idea that it's like this is where we can probably start to salvage something yes mm. yeah, yeah. Um, we're not aiming for the worst of the sequels we're aiming for the first of the bad sequels yeah, yeah. this is the where we can as you said Matt where you can fix the franchise at mm. its earliest point Jaws 2 is much better than every other Jaws movie apart from the first one mm. 
Robocop 2 is probably better than Robocop 3 oh, and the rest of it. I don't think there's but any like, probably. Yeah, but yeah, no, but I mean, like, and this is going to be a theme throughout the show, probably, yes. and before, you, before it, listeners get annoyed and, oh, why aren't you fixing the really terrible ones? Because we want to fix the root of the problem. It's yeah. like mm-hmm. having a time machine and going back in time and shooting Hitler. Yeah, yeah, but then the Soviets rise up. Yeah. I probably afraid I'd like to know that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Is, are you already into your pitch? <laughs> yes. So, so, yeah, well, the Soviets rise up and create their own thing called Ivan Drago. Oh, damn, that's been yeah. You just went full of Frank Miller. Can I just get out of the way and out of my head? Robocop's jetpack in the third one. Oh, <laughs> it was always so. made to fly. <laughs> no, he wasn't. He weighs forty <laughs> fucking tons. He's never done yeah, it before. That would have the most literal robotic movement you've ever oh, seen. In your life, and Otomo, the most lazy thing ever. Mm-hmm. It looks like a Japanese man. <laughs> wow, that's cheap. <laughs> well done. <laughs> oh dear. Oh. So uh, your mind. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Should we move on to team names? Yeah. Oh, and, uh, yeah. 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 Should we move on to team names? Yeah. And uh, the people formerly known as the Street Sharks. Street Sharks. We're no. always Street Sharks in our heart. In our heart. Street Sharks. Street Sharks. That's the benefit of uh, people who were in the room rather than who missed that little <laughs> yeah. action. So uh, Matt and Tom, what is your uh, brother? We are called the to? OCPs, which stands for Ornery Cinematic Perfections. <laughs> <laughs> excellent. Excellent. And the team formerly known as the Brody Bunch. The Ultra Police. Nice. Yeah. Mm. Nice. That was, that was there were two TV shows, weren't there? Yeah, the Ultra is the first animated yeah, one. Yeah. That, that was it. Yes, with the, the range of action things. With the the cat guns. Oh my god, yes! And the enemy was Pudface Morgan. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> is that a character name? Yeah, yeah. he's actually the main villain in wow. the series. Pudface, Pudface Morgan. Morgan. Spoilers: Pudface does not appear in our series. <laughs> oh, oh, get out! I've secretly written him in when you were looking. Jesus. Right. So, uh, the Ultra Police, since you hinted at your pitch, why don't you hit us with your elevator pitch to start for Robocop 2? Certainly. We're calling it Robocop 2, because I think that works. Mm. Released again in 1990. And our pitch is, Robocop tries to cope with his slowly returning humanity and his relationship with his family, whilst OCP cut a deal that leads to an all-out war with the police and the people of Detroit fighting military robots. Oh, ah, interesting, interesting stuff. Interesting not, not exactly stuff. the same. Good, okay. Oh, good, good, good. Okay, <clears throat> we've caused ours Robocop 2 electric... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, Robocop 2. Robocop finds himself trapped in one of the worst overrun slums in Detroit, the Rat's Nest. Uh, with limited charge, ammunition, and no backup, he must carefully battle his way to the gang leader, the Rat King. Unable to assist Murphy, uh, sorry, unable to assist Murphy, Lewis launches an a- attack on OCP's executive. Ooh, mm. a little bit of dread in that, I like yeah, it. Nice. Interesting. And a character from Ninja Turtles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's just me mumbling and stuttering. <laughs> so, Ultra Police, you've hinted at it with the elevator pitch. Let's dive in, shall we? Certainly. For the director of Robocop 2, we are sticking with Irvin Kirshner. Interesting. Who did, of course, do Robocop 2. I think excellent director. I think given the right material, mm. we push it in a slightly okay. darker direction. Like Empire Strikes Back. That's the principle. Right. Robocop stroke Alex Murphy will, of course, be played by the musician Paul Weller. <laughs> <laughs> Robocop goes underground. Now, um, Peter Weller, of course, has to come back and do it, as he did in the original. And Lewis will be Nancy Ellen again. Uh, Ellen Murphy will be Angie Bolling. Notice, actually, that uh, Murphy and Brody's wives have the same name. Yeah, I noticed that as well. Martha! (laughs) (laughs) That's our Jaws Robocop crossover. They meet him and just go, Ellen! (laughs) Why'd you say that name? (laughs) James Murphy, Robocop's son, will now be played by Johnny Galecki. Oh, from uh, Big Bang Theory Big and Bang Theory. Um, Vacation and other stuff. Yeah, and oh. uh, yeah, uh, Ro- more Roseanne at the time. Yeah, 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 that's a good show. Yeah. The old man is, of course, Dan O'Herlihy returning, but a new character, the chief executive of Ambitech, a rival corporation mm. to OCP, Rip Torn. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yes. He gets to redeem himself for the uh, Robocop 3, which will never happen. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm liking this. It's a little bit like Hammer Industries coming down mm. on there, so I'm... Um, maybe. Mm, no, actually. <laughs> <laughs> You're wrong, Tom. <laughs> Shut up, Tom. <laughs> so the themes we will be exploring are Murphy coming to terms with the fact that he is still human, 
and the corporation versus the people, which I think is ultimately the core of Robocop. You guys, and you guys don't like corporations. Yeah. You can't get away from it in Robocop. It's that's what it's all about. Team America. The corporations are all corporationing <laughs> up in their corporation towers. <laughs> Goddamn corporations. <laughs> yeah, it was a shame that we'd done it in Jaws, but you can't avoid it for uh, Robocop. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's what it's that's all about. So in the next OCP of the good guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure that would read. Anyway, the synopsis. Five years on from the first film, omni-consumer products are in a bad place. Their public reputation was damaged by the actions of Dick Jones and an ongoing feud with the Detroit police over pay and conditions. And attempts to make a successor to Robocop, their only public success in years, have all met with unequivocal failure. That's because we want to keep those scenes in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These failures are taking a massive toll on the company's finances, and the old man is worried that rival corporation Ambertech may make a takeover bid. Ambertech have been making money hand over fist after winning the military contact contract for combat robots that OCP failed to get with Ed 209. OCP's big plan is still Delta City, which would effectively give them total control over the population of what is currently Detroit. Detroit itself is in a terrible state. Crime is even more rampant as there's not much left of the police. Half of them are on strike against the pay cuts imposed by OCP, and most of the rest are tasked with clearing out slum areas that are hives of gang activity and moving the people into detainment camps, supposedly to make the city safer. It's clear, however, that the areas are actually being targeted as OCP want them demolished to make way for Delta City. Robocop has become unpopular with the people, as he is the public face of the eviction squad. Although he seems to be slowly gaining back his memories and emotions, he is driven by Directive 2 to uphold the law, so has to comply with OCP's orders. However, he is having increasing difficulty carrying out his job, as Directive 2 is currently at odds with Directives 1 and 3. Upholding the eviction laws are not serving the public trust, and the mass evictions are effectively harming the innocent leading to internal confusion. (laughs) Robocop's partner, Anne Lewis, is sticking by him and is worried about his emotional state. With the help of Sergeant Reed, she's been trying to track down Murphy's family who have fallen off the grid. They eventually find them living in one of the slum areas after OCP screwed them over with Murphy's life insurance. Lewis sets up a meeting, but it's incredibly awkward. Murphy is still not capable of feeling proper emotions and can't deal with it properly. His wife Ellen is unable to come to terms with how he has changed. And his now 15-year-old son James hates him, as he's the public face of OCP, the corporation that continues to destroy their lives. The chief executive of Ambertech meets with the old man and they come to an agreement. For a 20% stake in Delta City... Ambertech will use rebadged military robots to quickly sweep out the remaining slum areas so construction can start almost immediately. Robocop and Lewis are assigned back to standard police duty. Ambertech send their urban pacification droids into the slums, supported by small flying drones. It's effectively a private army. The droids closely resemble the design of Kane from the official Robocop 2, incidentally. Mm. They are met with the resistance and immediately kill the main agitators, which causes a skirmish as the slum dwellers fight back in fear. The amount of force used by the Ambertech robots is insane. They brutally murder anyone who appears hostile and flatten whole buildings with rockets. Ambertech have no control over their autonomous soldiers. Robocop and Lewis are alerted and see live news footage of the massacre. They realise it's the slum where Murphy's family live and speed over to save them. They find them in the rubble of a collapsed building. They pull James out with minor injuries, but Ellen is dead. Robocop is overcome with guilt due to feeling complicit in Ellen's death, which enables him to overcome his prime directives and regain some humanity. The old man cynically realises that OCP has a chance to get out of the deal with the other corporation and get good PR in the process. He goes to the police and asks for their help to overthrow Ambertech, offering to restore their full pay and benefits. The police say they don't have the firepower, but the old man offers up the entirety of OCP's prototype weaponry from their development labs. This includes several Ed 209 robots and a massive minigun designed to attach to Robocop. A massive battle ensues as the police and the people fight together to overcome Ambertech's robots. The Ed 209s are, of course, useless and stumble around with their legs stuck in holes, etc. <laughs> but a combination of Robocop's cannon and experimental EMP weaponry allow the police to overcome the Ambertech robots. Robocop personally arrests the Ambertech CEO in front of a crowd of news reporters as the old man decries him, which is a huge PRQ uh, coup for OCP, but also redeems Robocop in the eyes of the public. Murphy's son forgives him as he now understands he was controlled by his prime directives. 
We end with the old man and Johnson back in the boardroom. OCP has won outright. The space for Delta City has been cleared by the collateral damage from the battle, the public opinion of the company has improved, and the deal with Ambertech is nullified as the massacre was a breach of contract, which leaves, way for open, or leaves the way open for OCP to sue them for even more money. And of course they still have control of Robocop, although they don't realise that his prime directives have been overcome, which potentially allow him to act against the company in the future. Interesting. Very interesting. nice. The opposite of your Jaws 2. Yeah. Leaving it open for more sequels yeah. there very much. Exactly. So. Really yeah, more yeah, yeah. Yeah. Basically, we want to try and stop uh, Peter Willard doing Naked Lunch. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot of positioning wheel. with other, a lot of us all very fixed things. So over to so, you, the OCP. Yes, yeah, so we're going to do the, uh, we're going to do our uh, little sort of technical readout as such. So, we're, we're keeping uh, Robocop 2, as we're calling it, uh, in 1990, so three years after the original. Uh, so, for director, we've gone for Joel Schumacher. Wait! Well! <laughs> wow! Wait! Okay, okay. Because we're about to blow your minds. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. So, basically, he's just done, at this point, sort of The Lost Boys and Flatliners, and he's going to go on to do Falling Down, and you, you've got some other stuff. I do have other things. This is the point. Joel Schumacher is going to say, Oh, Batman Robin! No, yeah. before Batman, before and forever, Joel Schumacher, decent director, arguably. People still say they don't like me. Lost Boys, decent film. Flatliners, decent dark film. Falling Down, I love. And a man who's completely lost it and just gone mental, and obviously our plot will see you later, I feel he's a really solid director to bring a very interesting new darkness to this yeah. thing and keep the satire. Because I think the scene in Falling Down, for those who haven't seen it, of um, Michael Douglas's character in the McDonald's-esque chain mm. restaurant and again, it's very funny, but really, really serious. And it has a little message for everybody, which mm. is kind of, again, the corporate America. Everything is just like selling you shit and you're buying it. Um, and again, being... We'll talk about Falling Down later. But the idea is that I think Joel Schumacher is a solid choice, but you have to get past Joel Schumacher of the later days. And remember, this is the 1990 Joel Schumacher. Joel Schumacher. Mm. So, <clears throat> going back to... So, we're not entirely insane, is basically what Matt's trying to say. Yes. Um, so, returning cast, similarly, Peter Weller as Robocop, Nancy uh, Allen as Lewis, and uh, Daniel O'Hurley. As the Hurley, as the old man. Um, we, we have some new cast. We, we're casting Wesley Snipes as Kane. So, okay. Yeah. So, um, this is uh, sort of... He's done King, uh, King of New York, and he's going on to do sort of New Jack City and Demolition Man. So very much that kind of Demolition Man esque kind. That's of... on a peak because uh, uh, really Snipes' thing is early nineties. Yeah. That's his golden period, and this is just before he gets discovered and starts doing a lot of projects. And we think he'd be a really good personality. Run Tom Noonan's. Hi. As before, <laughs> I've got sort of two options for DOP because you know I like mm. DOPs. Um, our initial suggestion was uh, Jan de Bon, who obviously most people know as the director of Speed, but he is actually or was uh, before that uh, a DOP uh, of his own in his own right, uh, and he had shot Die Hard and The Hunt for Red October, uh, and uh, went on after this point to shoot Lethal Weapon Three. So he's a pretty solid action sort of DOP. Um, my sort of slightly more left field choice, which um, I was thinking about today uh, as another alternative, which I would love to see. Um, would be Jordan Cronenworth, who uh, was the DAP of Blade Runner. So having that kind of very dark, uh, futuristic, kind of anamorphic, beautiful sort of cinematography from Blade Runner, that sort of thing being brought into the... Uh, ah, motherfucker. Yeah, quite artistic kind of... <laughs> oh, key point. Yes. Key point. Yeah, yeah, the next point. One of the key things we haven't mentioned about why Robocop 2 doesn't work is because the score is pants. Mm. It is. Basil yeah. Poldorus needs to come back... And score this movie yeah, with the themes we all know and love. Definitely, because we're, I mean, again, going back to we were watching Starship Troopers uh, the other day, and like the score for that, you forget it's just glorious. Like the score is, uh, you know, aside from the subtext of you know, it's quite the sort of military pomp and circumstance kind of uh, with the setup. It's a great, great yeah. piece of music. Mm. Really, kind of you know. So having him back, similar to you know having. Uh, so John Williams do a bad job last time would be would be key. Yeah. So that's kind of our uh, that's kind of our thing. Is the Robocop theme in Robocop two at all? Yeah, I don't think it's at all. No, no. They brought it back to the third one. Didn't yeah. They? Yes. Yeah. But it just it just seems weird to not have it yeah, in it. Really it's just nothing. It's just yeah. Yeah. absolutely right. Definitely. So our synopsis. <clears throat> if you're all sitting comfortably. <clears throat> Robocop two. Our story opens in 2047, a few years after the events of Robocop. Despite Murphy's work and a few OCP upgrades, he's still only one man, and crime is running rampant in Detroit. 
Numerous attempts to replicate the Robocop experiment have all failed disastrously, costing OCP a fortune. To create a solid source of revenue, OCP tricks the mayor to file for bankruptcy so they can privatise the city and rebuild it from the ground up. You will notice that's all pretty much just Robocop 2. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, falling unrest in the Rat's Nest, a section of the city so overrun that the police won't go there, Robocop answers the dispatch but quickly finds himself trapped and surrounded. So, uh, the entire perimeter is wired and electrified, meaning Murphy is unable to escape or indeed call for backup. Meanwhile, Lewis learns that Murphy responded to the dispatch that no one else would have, and through news broadcasts learns he's stuck fighting his way out of the rat's nest. Assuming the OCP upgrades must have been responsible for these actions, she sets out to do what she can to, from, the in, from the outside. In the rat's nest, Robocop fights off several waves of desperate criminal, criminals, all the while taunted by a broadcasted voice, that of the supreme gang leader, Kane, a.k.a. the Rat King. Lewis, Lewis then also, on the outside, visits Murphy's wife at her home and explains she needs to help her break his programming and to get through to Murphy. Resigned, Ellen explains that her husband is gone, but she is proud of the man that he has become. In the rat's nest, each confrontation drains Robocop more and his pr- uh, processors update him that eventually he will run out of ammunition and battery power. He surmises that this is probably what Kane uh, wants and tries to avoid stage showdown with pawns. Showdowns with pawns, I should say. Lewis arrives at the OCP HQ and has a bitter confrontation with the old man, only to learn that they aren't responsible at all. At which point she realises that Murphy simply went in because it was the right thing to do, building on his humanity, overriding his programming. Uh, back in the rat's nest, Robocop catches up with Kane, who has salvaged parts from the failed Robocop 2.0 experiments and built an exosuit. He believes the people need to meet OCP tech uh, and a more heavily armed police force like for like, as the proposed new Detroit plans would demolish the rat's nest. They fight it out and Robocop wins. Obviously this is a long sequence, but this is a short pitch. <laughs> um, they fight it out and Robocop wins before shutting the containment system down and arresting Kane, believing his intentions were out of desperation, not pure evil. A huge police force arrives at the rat's nest and order is restored. OCP intercepts Kane in prison and approach him about getting revenge. Mm-hmm. So setting out for a possible sequel sequel as well. Yeah. We like more Robocop. Yeah, that would be good. We like more good Robocop, definitely. Yes. Definitely. Because as we mentioned, more Robocop in Robocop 3 can be very bad. Yeah, more Robocop <laughs> is bad. More good Robocop is good. Less jet we shouldn't have to clarify that. That should no. be just the norm for all things. <laughs> yeah. Quite different pitches there. Again, similar things obviously tying back to OCP and kind of corruption throughout Detroit. You can't avoid that with Robocop. No, no. But the difference in Wesley Snipes and Rip Torn is quite, yeah. quite noticeable. <laughs> yeah, that's quite old Rip Torn. Um, so I want to open up um, the Ultra Police to question OCP. Okay. Okay, I'm liking Wesley Snipes as Kane. That's a very different Kane, and obviously far more hands-on than the weirdly detached drug addict yeah, <laughs> yeah first awful film. CGI face oh, oh my god are they... oh, the, <laughs> the, the apex twin video <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. completely Definitely. this has just had Matt Hedrum in there pretty much <laughs> oh, notice the learning through news broadcast something we used as well mm-hmm. nods to Mr Miller there indeed I, th- I think there's a lot of strong um, at the end of the day I think it's because all of us get what makes Robocop good. Mm, and so we've yeah, infused yeah, elements yeah. of the first one. Again, like I said, the broadcast, the sort of... Well, it's not really implied, but the satirical humour, the corporations taking over, the new Detroit De- Delta sort of thing, mm. this extra, you know, let's just plough through what's already been. I yeah. think the interesting thing is the difference between the tone of the endings, really, which yeah. always feels a bit more despondent than ours. Yeah, I think one of the themes of Robocop is the company always wins. Always wins, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, I like the smaller tight story. I do like the draped thing where it's a character relying on the wits. Mm. Yeah, I see that it's a weird one because it isn't dread, nope. but it does crib quite a yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does definitely. Yeah. And I like that. And of course, in the context of 1990, there is no dread I know, yeah. to go. Yeah. And yeah. this would feel very different. I think it's because we were thinking. Because Initially, when thinking about pitches and ideas and concepts and all these sorts of things, you think, okay, how can you go bigger and better and more at the top and more elaborate? And then sometimes it's a case of saying, ah, I know this is a bad example with Alien 3, but it's like, how do you go from Aliens? Well, you can only bring it down to something small mm. and bring it back to the original Alien. So in this case, I mean, your guys with a huge military battle and stuff, and I'm thinking 90s effects and stop motion and thinking, that's a big demand. That's not a bad thing. I think it could be pulled off really well. Um, but for our one, I think we wanted to try something that was so dramatically different in tone, Still, still the same thing, but just such a different... And also, in the way... Um, oh, I know, I can give an example. 
Star Trek The Motion Picture versus Star Trek II Wrath of Khan, where everything is technically a lot small, a lot more devolved, but a much stronger film because it's mm. more concentrated, effectively. Yeah, yeah. That's, that was our logic going into it, effectively. Yeah. Rather than, hey, mm. Dreyf is good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kane is your Khan, then. <clears throat> yeah, kind of. Yeah. Kind of. But I think also I wanted it to be that... Um, too, again, I know it's a 90s thing, but it was too much of like, how do you get rid of this villain for the next one? Get rid of him. It's like, why? Don't just kill him. No. Mm-hmm. So we've kind of got like an Avengers initiative thing where potentially he's going to come back and, you know, tool up and uh, you know, yeah. a potential sequel and, uh, you know, try and kick Robocop's ass again. So something I didn't quite get here, to, mm. um, yeah, maybe yeah. me being thick, no, no, no. it often is. But um, so Lewis thinks OCP sent yes, Robocop yes. in mm. and she goes to the wife to break the programming because mm. she thinks that will enable him to escape. But of course... Well, no, it's, no. It's, initially it's the fact that um, um, <laughs> one of the many OCP upgrades is apparently that he's now blue. Um, yeah, 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 I couldn't work one. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. upgrade into yeah. blue, white. Yeah, blue works well. Yeah. It's cheaper. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I think it's just the idea that she initially just doesn't trust OCP, so she blames them. And rather than going straight to OCP, knowing for a while it's a huge company, and things like, well, we need to do something. As an I need to do something. We need to connect with this mm. humanity. We need to. I, I don't think it's initially how do I get out of the rat's nest because she knows. Again, it's the. It, we're. I mean, this would be explored more in the film as far as actual scenes are concerned, but the idea that Lewis is a really almost ineffective partner for him because he's this unstoppable force and she just hides behind him. Um, it was nice, I, I don't know if she's saying this, in the real Robocop 2 where she actually is quite decently used and yeah. she's a strong female character. I hate saying that phrase, but still. And yeah, to, to almost give her her own kind of like little detective mission to go off on her yeah, own. Yeah, she's still a cop. Yeah, she's yeah, still intrinsically we, we going and, and doing yeah, that. And exactly. also the thing, with, sort of the thing with Murphy's wife as well was we were trying to sort of, sort of clue the audience in that, and also sort of for, I, know, I guess for shows the wrong way, but start that whole kind of meeting is the first bit where we're hoping that you know we can clue the audience in and start. And Murphy starts to kind of, I guess, subconsciously realise, well, maybe it isn't my assumption. Maybe my assumptions wrong. Maybe it is his the good that is still left in him. And yeah. That that sort of that that interaction would be the first kind of clue to the audience and to, to, to the fact that that is you know that it's it's he's just doing it because it's his directives and it's his. It's, it's the right thing to do. It's not the directives. It's the mindset. I think that. It, it, it's more than I am told as a computer to protect these people. It's these people these need protecting. These yeah. people, are, and I think as well. And, and this is going to sound like an attack on you guys. It's not. It is. <laughs> it's, it's really not. But when was, we were thinking through ideas, one of the ones was like, we, we always come back to the family, and we didn't want to use them too much. We actually no. wanted to write them out completely because it's the woman in the refrigerator. Mm. If he's only motivated because his family's involved, yeah, it's it's not him being an altruistic ubermensch super person. It's him just. My family in trouble. I'm going to solve that problem because it's my family. It's like, no, you're a cop. You serve all our families. That kind of thing. But it's the family that gets him past the programming. You use the same. Oh no, that was the, no, that was the initial idea that <clears throat> it was going to be. But she. Oh, I see. Gonna... You end up not. Yeah, we we we, we, we uh, she slammed that door. Sorry, we I found down. that bit sort of a bit confusing. No, yeah, right. it's, I, it's, yeah. yeah. You see, for me, and I totally hear what you're saying, but I think I almost would have preferred it if it had then been his wife mm-hmm. on the intercom. And even if all these revelations had come about, because I think you could have had a, you could have had a, a moment, a double whammy sort of mm-hmm. thing there. Where, because admittedly, it was the 90s, that probably would have happened. Yeah. Because <laughs> admittedly, yeah, we, we do lean on the the whole, you know, yeah, well, yeah, his family dies sure, and sure, then yeah. he's inactive too, which is maybe a bit lazy, but, with, I feel it's almost frustrating having the wife, because that's my great frustration in Robocop 2, mm. is that he comes in and they go, you know, they, they made me to honour him. And then it's like, oh, by the way, that's finished now. So, yeah, like, yeah that, you're that right, that is, is weird. Because it's like, when he, yeah, he, he, it, it almost he makes the finish, decision yeah. himself to do that. And it's like, that's a bit weird. Yeah. Whereas, again, again, this is the thing that I can see the logic of ours, I can see the logic of yours. Because effectively speaking, Again, I just I just don't like the idea of using the family because uh, I, I like the idea that he, again, this is the man, this is the job, this is what he does, this is his life now. He is a cop, he will always be a robo cop. <laughs> yeah. And um and yeah, and actually the fact that, you know, the family's moved on, they know he's dead, they know he's doing what he's doing, but he's not the same person. He could never be the same person. Um that's our despondent part of our film, I think, as well. Um and again, yeah, I think you're right, we could have had that moment. I think if I was watching that film I would have immediately gone, fuck off, because I would have hated the wife turning up in this 
ridiculous situation where Lewis can't even go in. Has no police person goes into the situation. But well, I guess you could does, do it. I hate it so much. We could well, do it. I, I, you could. I, I almost imagine being over yeah. the over yeah. the yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you got like a helicopter with those big sounds. And you could, there are ways around it certainly. But I don't know. I mean, again, I like the idea that I, th- I think I prefer the personal journey rather than the forced journey of the past, as if he's going forward rather than. Mm. You know, tethered to the past, as it makes sense. It's a, yeah, it's a fair I, point, though. Yeah, I think a weakness you have is a lack of sort of story arcs for the characters. Because we start off in OCP at the end of the film is in the same point position it was at the start of the film, pretty yes. much. <clears throat> um, Kane is sort of the Rat King and Evil Man at the start. Of them still is at the end. He's now just got more of a vendetta as Robocop. Robocop is becoming slightly more human. Lewis is exactly the same at the end of the start, mm. and his family's exactly the same at the end as they are at the start. Yeah, really. There's I mean, not much actually... No, I think it's more on. the fact that we've... Again, well, again, drawing... Let's take the Dread thing as an example. I think it is literally meant to be this is a, a, another day on the job. It's a, this mm. isn't a defining day in Detroit. It's This is just another day in Detroit. Um, rather than doing... The, this is, yeah, it's a broad... I, I, I totally I, take your point. Yeah, you're right. Because yeah, yeah, right. we don't want... We, the, the kind of thing as well, we want the idea, as you say, like the idea that the company will survive. So we want everything to say, like... Because the, the story opens um, with a more familiar Robocop rather than they do in Robocop 2 where he's, um, you know, blue. back to... Yeah, blue and <laughs> he's back, blue to, square back one. to square one. Yeah. yeah, and the idea that nothing ever really changes, no matter how much you fight this, it's like the idea that crime doesn't seem to go away because it's like, oh, we've got Robocop now, everything's solved. It's like, no, this is a really bad... See, you can arm all the police and what happens then if you arm the police... The public arm themselves more. It's escalation. It's like Batman. It's Batman, yeah. yeah. And and the idea that at the end everything stays arguably exactly the same because that's the overarching. I know from a yeah. story point of view, it's the. I, I wonder if it's more that the first film is quite a broad thing, all the you know big mm. filmic stuff, and the second one, when it comes off as a sequel to something like that, feels more like a TV episode or something when it's made mm. smaller. Yeah. I don't disagree, but I think going Dread too big is sort of a oh, it's a real thing on itself. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's yeah, the yeah first I don't disagree. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I obviously take your points on more completely. Um, I really just couldn't see a bigger film working because then you introduce. I mean, well, like, well, I feel like I'm like lashing out your film for no reason, but it's the it is the opposite of ours. It's the bigger rather than more contained. So the bigger version for me was always like because initial discussions and ideas and thoughts about where to go with it would was coming down to why bigger, why more explosions, why more this and that. And, and again, it came down to the getting bored as Robocop goes on. Um, so Robocop 2, 3 and all that stuff. Mm. You do see bigger and more like, like miniguns and jetpacks and all that shit. Gosh, it's like, yeah, well, yeah you've it. lost it now. I don't feel the character anymore. You guys have mailed, nailed that sort of thing of trying to get the character in there and it's tried to really put that, that route going through. But I think it's one of those things as... I don't know where you would go with it because you keep using that escalation thing. Whereas I think our one would be a different one to carry. Like I said, I'm not talking about the third film yet, but yeah, not yet. Mm. So there we go. Yeah. So in, in terms of the kind of smaller story and things like that, what do you think Joel Schumacher brings to your story? Why Joel Schumacher for this story in particular? It really, if I'm honest with you, um, Joel Schumacher nails. It's actually something he hasn't done yet. We're almost saying this film is what Falling Down becomes. Right. And Falling Down basically got Robert Duvall being a cop and you've got Michael Douglas being a crazy person um, trying to get home to his wife, who's his estranged wife, in fact. And he just loses it along the way. And it really is just literally Michael Douglas goes through a couple of streets in Los Angeles, but it's a really compelling story because of the the character in it. Mm. And I know we've sort of made a very short synopsis here which I think part of the questions of like character development would have been detailed how we you know expanded on it more but like for example just say things like you know uh, Robocop fights his way through porn but it's like no 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 if you do that whereby you have really different personalities escape from New York sort of stuff escape from New York is probably a really good example yeah we did yeah yeah that's another, another thing that drew on mm. quite quite heavily um and again I know that's another thing was an original not a sequel sort of thing but um I think Schumacher brings to it um yeah, a lot of personality as far as what can be brought out of a very minimalist situation. And again, his his scale obviously Lost Boys is sort of more of a character piece and sort of yeah. We're talking about a beach and a couple of rooms yeah. and a big fight in a house at the end. Yeah. So mm. I think yeah, he's he's got the ability smaller, to do yeah, it. Smaller character piece, mm. but you and you know, there's a few kind of I wouldn't call them action scenes, but there are sort of scenes that aren't just dialogue shot, reverse shot stuff that mm. he's done in Lost Boys that I think you know show he's got you, you know. 
half the time on these kind of action films, and then the second unit people are dealing with a lot of the action anyway. So yeah. I'm sure he could be... And just yeah. piecing together the camera. He, he, he can be, um, yeah, sort of schooled into that kind of thing. Mm. So that was our thought anyway. Fair enough. Fair enough. Let's turn the tables. Turn the tables now. Uh, OCP go on the attack. Ultra police ready to defend. <laughs> um, now that's a better film. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's Robocop 3. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's the subtitle Robocop 3. Now, Robocop 3 is all going to be about that uh, henchman from Robocop 2 who looks like Martin Kemp dressed as a rockabilly. <laughs> it's just his story. Oh, he does that, that lawyer. Yes. Yeah. We, we also want to do Emile's story, the prequel to, uh, <laughs> to, uh, to the original Robocop. He's just dodging falling helicopters. Just <laughs> a nod to his role in the R. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we really like that. I, I really liked the. I think um, yeah, you've you've escalated quite nicely. Um, I think that you have uh, sort of yeah, as you said, you've put some. There is some. There is some character art going through. As I say, I think that obviously we, as we've talked about already, the um, the use of his family kind of as a an inciting incident. I think as I think it's called is 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 good, but obviously that was still a crutch. It's, it, like yeah, it is a bit of a crutch, but um, but it was something I, think, I, I don't know. I just feel the family needs to be dealt with after it's set up in the first one. Mm. It's oh, not yeah, just that's a key part of Robocop, is it? Yeah, oh, definitely. That's what, well, that's what we felt that we needed. We, we if I was reviewing the film, I'd be annoyed the wife was brought in just to be killed off sort of thing mm. I, it, and I'm not saying you, you guys are lazy with it because that's not the case at all because you are literally stuck with this plot from the first one it's like what do we do it's the same way what do we do with it now it's like well we just got rid of her um, it's the Holly Genera and now the Die Hard films like no she was a strong character it's like nah just close it off the character does need to be got rid of unfortunately yeah. I think you're absolutely yeah, right hence why the killer yeah it's exactly. like we, we both know <laughs> in different ways it's just not going to work going on I, I, I have concerns about the 90s um, and mm. the visual effects you're doing yeah I think that was the, the scale because um, I, I can kind of really imagine it, but it it feels very much like I haven't. I should say I haven't seen the the new RoboCop. I have, I have, but, I have as well. But yeah, but it feels very <laughs> much like the <laughs> yeah. It feels very much like it's the kind of thing that you would do. You could do easily. Um, you could do easily kind of now with all the CG. I'm not sure stuff, I want but... to see it with CGI. It's more fun with the puppets. Oh, it, <laughs> the thing is, the way I look at it is the because we've also kept all of the character models from. Uh, from the first two films. Literally some cases in terms of yeah. puppets, yeah. And we sort of did that deliberately because I think that in terms of like some of the stuff, especially that final fight sequence in Robocop 2, is ridiculous. It is the absolute pinnacle of mm. um, stop motion effects. Mm. Where he's like jumping off a van yeah. onto yeah, yeah, the yeah. back yeah. of yeah. and, and stuff like that, yeah. And I think on the basis of that, we thought, well... No, yeah, I don't disagree with you with that, that, but I think that's the thing. You've got two people fighting, not an army of mechs. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it's, it's not me, because like, again, all it takes is like saying, well, this person could do it, and that's fine. Yeah. But it's one of the things that the 90s and a bunch of army of mechs would be actually be easier than when they're wrestling. I think it's when there's oh, two right. characters interacting. Yeah. Like, if they're just shooting each other from a distance, yeah. you kind of get one there. One of the reasons we brought in the airborne drones, because they're a relatively easy thing to have in the air, like little helicopters, as they probably would have been at the time. And, um, you know, you can cut away and they're shooting down. They're all shooting up, just cut angles. Yeah, you know, it's not so different to the hunter killers in Terminator. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. I like the kind of puzzle box sort of you got across the, the sort of Machiavellian intentions of the old man very nicely. Um, the, the yeah, God of... had to get Delta C just because it was such a thing in the yeah. first one. They yeah. never quite capitalized on. No, and weirdly, it, it's kind of appears. It does appear in the... briefly in the second one. It, it doesn't mention that... it by name, does it? Because there's that whole plan bit at That's the end it, where, yeah. like, and the then Kane the... comes up in the middle. Yeah, yeah. 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 before the yeah. before the. Yeah. Um... Yeah, we actually ended up cribbing quite a lot from the third one, mm. bizarrely. The whole Civil War <laughs> thing. Especially yeah. the jetpack. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Everyone has three jetpacks. Yeah. <laughs> See, the, the people uniting... Uh, it gives it that, again, there are a lot of nice touches in the script, and um, people uniting... I think that from our point of view, because we've got a similar... Again, there are a lot of similar elements. Our people sort of unite me stuff and expand on it too much. Um, they're almost... Not really led like the Rat King, and he says, you know... Unleash the wave of poor people. It's just they're all operating. But it's it's just the idea that they are lashing out what's around them. And I think yeah. the difference is our version's chaotic and they're just firing at anyone who comes mm. close. And obviously, Robocop's a big shiny target and representative mm. of the man in the city and the street and so on. Street, sorry, the police. Um, whereas yours is all very seems much more organised. Yeah, that was a, a bit of a 
think I, mean, I, th- I thought there were such good and interesting under ideas in Robocop 3 which they failed to capitalise yeah. horribly so that was sort of a hint of the splatterpunk thing with this kind of an organised resistance but I didn't want to go as far mm. as they had in Robocop 3 no, that no, felt no. a bit mm. well unbelievable frankly I think we like the idea that the resistance only becomes organised once the Ambitech people come in anyway the once, the the shit really once they start, yeah, once they start yeah. kettling them I'd imagine yeah, they yeah, have to be gonna, like this inciting literally and we like the idea of and again this is a Robocop 3 thing but we like the idea of this becoming a corporate war mm. it's a it's not it's, yeah it's, it's, it's a, nothing to do with people it, it's all about it, just the reminds me of the shades of um, sort of the kind of imagery from that sort of Metal Gear Solid 4 with sort of PMCs sort of fighting against nano machines so yeah. <laughs> yeah. everything is nano machines yeah. Yeah. So those big including sort of, the vampire for some reason because why not Metal Gear Solid oh dear we won't be talking about that sequels Christ we'll be here for weeks <laughs> if we ever do a video game spin-off I'm lobbying for a Metal Gear Solid because I love that franchise as batshit insane as it is um, I think um, again there was something sort of uh, allegorical in ours that uh, the, the, the it's literally a hostile takeover mm-hmm. in, in both cases it is an on the ground hostile takeover yeah. reflecting the hostile takeover going on in the boardroom mm-hmm. which I thought Again, as a commentary thing and in keeping with the... Yeah, I think the difference between ours fundamentally is that you have done a representation of, of, of corporate America again, which is cool, mm. um, and we've done a police story. I mean, yeah. Because it's more... Our, our Murphy's going back to being Murphy, basically, and just doing police work. And I think your one is the more the, the OCP controlling hand, as it were. In our version, OCP really isn't even involved too much it's just trying to make another Robocop 2 and just chucking stuff out and then saying we need to build a new city and make more money um, mm-hmm. and they almost don't care about what's happening so that's, that's, it's their ambivalence and, and, and ignorance to the situation which is different from yours which is much more orchestrated because of the nature of the two warring companies yeah, yeah. yeah. they're yeah. building on the, on the corporate ladder Delta City from the first a question for mm-hmm. you guys you sort of hint at a sequel yeah. to your sequel yeah mm-hmm. What are you thinking with that? Because OCP and mm. Kane's... Yeah, it's, <coughs> there is it's really in there. Where would you... <coughs> I have an idea. Well, you I'm... could once again follow up their film with your film. I think probably the... I guess... Um, I think probably tapping into some of the, the ideas from the original Roman Cop 2 and that going back to the start of ours where they're still struggling to create yeah. a Robocop kind of sequel or a Robocop yeah. successor. Um, you know, we're, not, we're not pitching the original Robocop 2 as a sequel to our Robocop because that would be <laughs> shit. Um, <laughs> so it, it is the idea that, that they are OCP almost not the bad guy. They're, they're portrayed to be the bad guy but they're in fact just a, a non-existent party. <clears throat> and then by the end of the film they're back to the sort of Oh, there's a, a, um, an opening here. There's mm. something they can do. There's, there's an opportunity for them, which of course there's a Machiavellian opportunity. Yeah, exactly. And 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 they believe. I mean, I I I kind of like the line in Robocop Two about the idea that all these cops and decorated people are are going mental, and then you've got Murphy, who's this altruistic cop who's a Catholic and therefore can't kill himself. It's like, oh right, okay. So it's just that he can't do it. Not that he's a you know strong human. It's just that he just it goes against his sort of coding. And then you've got this other guy who's you know. Uh, got the criminal element. It's, it's not where we'd go with it, I think. It's because it, obviously it does end with that open-ended thing, um, and it might, might not even need to be followed up in a sequel. He might just be in charge of a division. Of it. I don't know. He becomes a he becomes a suit for all we know, and becomes you know. It's not literally just like oh, let's put him in a in his brain in in another machine. NGR. Yeah, he could be <laughs> he could run for mayor and be the new mayor, and and because people love him from what mm-hmm. he was, you know, fighting the street fight man, we'd go that kind of thing. Something something different again, because I think the idea would be. The, the the Robocop character being a policeman policing for the the good of the people even when the people are fighting him is what we're sort of pitching yeah. and the angle we're going for here mm. rather than a shiny pawn who just gets moved around and says oh no and now I'm over here ah and just really reacts to situations rather than actively does something himself. that was a good on the spot pitch by the way thanks <laughs> <clears throat> your Robocop is very reactive in your Robocop 2 strip it's more he's having to react to things thrown at him wasn't well, he's, he's it's because he's taking the initiative to go in and try and sort out the problem and then realise he's massively in over his head because as much as he's pushed in the first film and things it's his, it's his heart it's his heart yeah it's, 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 it's the right thing to do It's I'd say he's reactionary in the sense that obviously he's batting away combatters and all sorts of yeah and he just has to wait for rescue 
No, he, he takes out the villain himself and shuts down the grave. He literally cleans it up himself. The only reason he goes to rescue is to have someone take away this person who's, you know, he could easily carry him off to the thing himself. Which is, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah sorry. Um, but it, yeah, he's, 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 he is rectified in the sense that he's doing his duty. But again, it's, it's just the nature of the... If you think I guess about it's like the, the Western, being a cop. Yeah, it's, 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 it's the sheriff of the town be... who goes through and just... His moral code is always yeah. Gonna, well, no, yeah, his his moral code is always going to dictate that he does yeah. the right thing. I guess but uphold the law, uphold Take the law, the innocent. uphold the law, and classified. <laughs> <laughs> I particularly like speaking of the directives there that you had the conflict of directives. I thought it was an interesting mm. twist of mm. having Asimov laws. Yeah, because yeah. they, they yeah. are they can be mutually exclusive. Exactly. So, yes. You know, yeah. And we also know what happens to him when he tries to go against directive. <laughs> so, <laughs> if only this was a video podcast. <laughs> Nobody needs to see that. No, no one needs. Doing your best Donald Trump impression. <laughs> yeah, there, there's something interesting about about the directives and about that code, and that was something we wanted to explore. And we also, I think, we quite like the idea of what happens if Robocop has no directives, leaving mm. that open to yeah. what the character could become, because I think that has an implication. Because it is almost that idea that, and this is kind of what you went with as well, is the mm. idea that where does the code being hardwired into him end yes. and, and where does he begin? begin? Yeah, yeah. Because and the fundamental codes of, uh, that he's you know assigned really is what was already there in Murphy in the first place. Precisely, so, yeah. 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 Yeah, it's like a Robro code. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Robro code. So we won, right? Because yeah. of that. Of that. <laughs> no. Winners. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. Something you both kind of touched on was um, you mentioned the the family elements of things. Do you see that? Obviously, Ellen dies in yours, but do you see the family thing coming back in the future for you guys? I don't. I think we think need so. to. Yeah. You're just trying to avoid it as much I as possible. Think it, I think it. Right. I think. I think whether whoever you know we were talking about it, whoever's done it, whoever ends up winning. I think we both agreed that. I think for, if there is going to be future growth as a franchise, it, it kind of forces you to write yourself into a corner if yeah. she's not. If she's yeah, still and it's also the, the third film or whatever it is, you're always going back to the family. Mm. Again, it's the Die Hard example that Holly Gennaro, they just sort of, it's like, oh, again, is is Bruce Willis's character in the second film helping because the airport's in trouble or is he helping because his wife's on a plane? Mm. Mm. Yeah. And then very clearly at the end it's no because his wife is on a plane. Yeah. Third film, it's like he's just running around and he's in a bad way and it's... I'm not because obviously they get worse at that point, much worse. But the third one's still very interesting because he's just doing the right thing and being a bit it's of a nutcase. And I think the the I, I genuinely believe wheeling out the family every time is going to be so weak. It needs to be dealt with. I think it needs to be dealt with in how it, you can always reference that they're still aware he's doing cop stuff and all. Even the kid joins the police force because well, of this it. is There's the thing, thing you is, could do with it. But I, I quite like that we left um, the son alive because. There is the potential to do something with that then in the third film, and there is the potential to make him hmm. a more integral player. You could you could Villain, turn his son into the hero, bad guy. Hey, yeah, yeah, that's could, uh, where I was going to go. That was going to be my next question for you yeah. guys: is oh, do you have future well, plans for James? Well, you could, I th- from what I'm thinking from this, James, he would have attempt to have the relationship with Robocop in the third, but the problem would be rather than. Oh, it's still awkward. But don't worry. By the end, we hug and we love each other. They actually have to come to terms with the fact the that they will true. never have. Mm. And he could potentially be he that potentially. I know you've said in yours that he he comes to t- like he sort of accepts that Murphy is who he is. But I mean, potentially that could then. I mean, just as as a, as a thought, especially if obviously you run down the route of Robocop sort of overthrowing his directors potentially him and his son could team up against OCP in a sequel yeah I think they wouldn't so I wouldn't have it like the son's a cop as well no, no, no. but like, he's got a big gun he gets James the minigun <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's, he's a transformer he turns into yeah, a, I mean they would both be Robros would be cool, yeah. so. it, he, I think he would absolutely be Tom on his side um, but it would be the, the son wouldn't be a front line sort of thing yeah. he'd be I, I, I think it's also the, the fact that Robocop 2 did the thing whereby he say, got rid of the whole family, the wife thing really awkwardly, and it was a bit weird. But also, the whole thing that sparks kind of the part of the film is 
getting shot in the face and thinking, oh yeah, I've got a son. And it's like, oh, don't be brilliant. Oh, they're all coming back. And, but then I don't think you see the son for the rest no. of the film. It's just, it's just a non-thought. No, no literally I, he looks at them over the road and goes, oh, yeah. son. Yeah. Anyway, either, either you, <laughs> that episode's over. Now. Yeah. Time you either need to commit wholeheartedly and make mm. like kind of you guys did with a, a real family escapade thing mm. or what Not we did, just say, no, they know what he is. They've grieved for him. They've moved on. And it's the whole, this is a monument, but they make that decision, not it's mm. made for them, which again is the nature of, these are people, not, hey, I'm telling you to leave. Oh, okay then. That kind of weird 90s write them out. I quite like the idea if, you know, and this is getting way ahead, but if there was going to be Robocop a, seven. a third one. <laughs> <laughs> like, if there was going to be a third one. James I like, just because I really like putting... Alex Murphy through all kinds of horrible shit. <laughs> I really like the idea that um, I would quite like to turn his son into Robocop 2 oh, as it exists in... Villainous uh, yeah. baby Robocop. Yeah, and <laughs> you may have to write that one on your own. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like either, either to do that or to turn his son into a corporate suit for him to get bought mm. out by the corporation or something like that. Yeah. Just to kind of stick the knife in even more. Because much as I love Robocop, I also want to see him suffer as much as possible. <laughs> it's the O'Brien theory from Star Trek. The only reason you can relate to him is because he suffers. Yeah. <laughs> when you were first, um, Stuart, when you were reading the pitch, I did glance over. I did glance over whilst you were reading the pitch and notice you had James blah, 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 and I saw a face of OPC and I thought... That is a bold move, having James Murphy step up and like, <laughs> turn into like a, a suit or something like that and start yeah. yep, nope. taking up the corporate kind of side of things. And I quite like the idea of him being a villain. And if you're maybe not going full like Robo, basically turning into Kane or something I like just, that. I but... love, I love robot cops. I can't. Get <laughs> I don't think anyone can argue that. <laughs> If there's something we can all agree on, we love robot cops. Good lord. Oh, Alec. Uh, So, I I like both ideas, and they are very different. I know you've both been quite different in Jaws 2, but I think these are even further apart Mm. for Robocop 2. Um, I'm going to have to give it to OCP and level the score. Um, Mm. I really like the idea of going smaller and tighter. I'm a huge Dread fan. You kind of nailed it there because I love Dread so much but I like the idea of having um, and not enough people have the kind of bravery to go much smaller mm. and, and go for another day in the life of yeah. titular character and the fact that you don't go with the family thing or anything like that you keep it to kind of almost like a class war thing as well and obviously you guys have that as well but I like the idea of having it smaller and tighter and and it's it's a it, I feel like it's like a braver move to go smaller after a huge kind of eighties action film. Hmm. But yeah, thank you very thank much. You. Thank you very much. So I, thought, left, I, I thought I was on ten hose. I thought we'd blown it. But so, <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There we go. He leveled, the, leveled the playing blow. field. Yeah, yeah it sounds blow. That's true. So that wraps up. Well done, OCP. Thank you. Thank you. Um, oh, I, I, again, I do like. This is the thing we should always know. This isn't like an ask them, fuck you! It's a really... Like, Sometimes it is. It is also really... Yeah, yeah, we hate, we hate you guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, well, we started hating you. I'm literally stood in the middle holding them apart. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I, I really like... Really, really like I really that. like all of these films. I like... I, we should be able to see all these films being made. Yeah. They're spectacular. Do you hear us, Hollywood? Yeah! Yes. Come knock it down on our door. Well, Give all um, these writers and filmmakers a bunch of money. Yep. yep. We'll snort it up our note. What? <laughs> <laughs> We'll you... snort it up our noses and then give you the actual Robocop. I'd buy that. Robocop 2 DVDs. I'd yeah. buy that for a dollar. Mm. Okay. You can follow us on Twitter at Sequelizers. If you disagree or agree or feel I made the wrong decision, feel free to let me know. You can also contact us on our Gmail, which is Sequelizers at gmail.com if you have longer thoughts, if you want to have a real argument with me about my choice of, of pitches debate it out with Jack exactly um, if you want to contact me directly I'm at JLW Chambers I host a bunch of other podcasts mostly about comics um, I'm host of the Intercomics podcast and the Ultimate Spin podcast as well so you can find me on those as well uh, Stuart where else can they find you they can find me at Ashens on Twitter they can find me Ashens on YouTube and if you search you can find films what I've written Sadly, not about robotic policemen. Yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Alec underscore Plowman. Uh, my various journalisms are out there on the internet, sometimes on ultimateguitar.com, which has nothing to do with this. So uh, <laughs> check it out, folks. Uh, you can find uh, my production company Forward on Twitter and Instagram and all of the other social medias on at MadeByForward. And if you uh, want to have a watch of some of the, the films that, that I do make in my time, uh, you can go to weareforward.uk. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z. If you want to see my reviews, one of which I'm pretty sure is the remake of Robocop, oh, you can go to oh. theredrighthand.co.uk. Um, or alternatively, if you want to see filmmaking stuff, serious things and silly things, cheesemint.com. Excellent. And for the third episode, we've hinted at it a couple of times. <clears throat> yep. You hinted at it with Joel Schumacher. Yeah, I did. I hinted at what I said. We're tackling... Batman Forever. Ooh. Yes. Ooh. <laughs> it's going to get tense. It's it's nothing, get nothing wrong with it. Just... <laughs> just... <laughs>Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.